Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Friday, May 28, 2010, 11 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, it's Red vs. Blue. Fantasy Sports Radio, hello everybody and welcome to Red vs. Blue Fantasy Sports Radio, wherever you may be. Thanks for making us part of your night. I'm Scott Atkins, team legacy in the world of high-stakes fantasy football. And as always, I'm joined by my big blue co-host from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Michael Trent. And, Mike, I don't know where to start, man. Today, living here in Indianapolis, uh, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, uh, it's carb day here at uh, in Indianapolis. And uh, all day long, I've been uh, at the Speedway for carb day. So, uh, Scott, uh, you know, I mean, uh, first off, I want to welcome everybody to Red versus Blue and uh, – it had to be pretty exciting. Uh, you know, the race is going to be Sunday and going through something like that. I mean, what was it like just being out there and, uh, you know, enjoying the experience? Well, I'll tell you what, I've been to uh, I've been to some NASCAR races there, the, you know, the Brickyard a couple of times, and, and uh, you know, just to enjoy the festivities. Um, and, and I know most of the drivers, so that was kind of entertaining. I don't know anything about IndyCars, let's be honest here, but I've lived here in Indianapolis over 10 years, never been to the Indianapolis 500. I thought it was high time to do it. So, you know, woke up this morning, 
got over to the Speedway. Uh, our good friend Mark Campbell is head of security over there. He took us in, got us free, got us parked uh, right up in the lot with him uh, with no problems, and he got us uh, right up by the pagoda, the main uh, pagoda there, right by the suites. And uh, he took us all around on the golf cart pretty much all day long, wherever we wanted to go. He showed us all around the speedway. We got to check out the cars. Mike, they go so fast. These cars are going 215, 220, 223, uh, I, w- I was seeing there. And, you know, I'm trying to get a get – a, these, these cars go by so fast in a blur. I don't know any of these guys. I see a color of a car. I see it coming down at me and then coming around the turn. We sat right there off of turn one today. And, uh, you know, it was a good, good spot to watch, uh, you know, uh, the practice. Today is carb day. Indianapolis carb day is on Friday. It's before the race. They do one hour of practice. It's their final hour of tune-up for that car, for those cars. And these cars go by so fast, man. I was just trying to pick a – I don't know many of these drivers. You know, I know uh, Frankini and, and Helio Castroneves and, you know, all these guys. But but I went ahead and just picked a car. I like a guy. Uh, I like the Target car today. I was like, who's that guy? They're like, that's Scott Dixon. I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Scott Dixon, and that's who I'm going to go for. All right. Well, well good luck. Uh you know, I, you know, it's going to be, it's a fun event. Uh, it always is. Uh, the tradition of uh, when the driver uh, gets that uh, big jug of milk, you know, at the end of the race, uh, it's it's quite a race, and uh, the Indy 500 will still be the Indy 500 no matter what. Uh, one thing I, I want to do, Scott, uh, right now uh, is I want to uh, I want to say thank you and. To everybody out there that has uh, served in the armed forces of any kind whatsoever, because, uh, you know, we celebrate uh, this weekend, we celebrate Monday, uh, Memorial Day for those that have lost some, uh, and, you know, it's it's a very important holiday for a, a lot of people, and it, it, it's pretty close to their heart, and uh, I think uh, every, you know, we need to give some uh, I don't want to say shout out, but we need to give some props to those that have uh, protected us and and are still protecting us uh, throughout uh, the times that we go through, the, the times of, that we've been through. So I think it's going to be a great Memorial Day, but uh, don't forget uh, don't forget those that are you know making paving the way for 2010, 11, 12, and uh, so on. Very nice gesture, Mike, and, and well well deserved for all those who. Uh, those families who have uh, lost, uh, you know, heroes who've served. So, uh, you know, very, very nice to think of them. And, you know, it is going to be a nice long weekend. And, again, kicking it off at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, I'll tell you what, it's just a legendary track. There was, you know, there's going to be 500,000 people there this Sunday, and I'll be there at the race. Uh, so I'm just kind of looking forward to it. Again, they go by so fast and make such a loud noise when they do. i got to bring earplugs next time. Wasn't thinking too much, you know, this morning just grabbed the cooler and ran. Uh, and then we topped it off this afternoon with a concert. Uh, these guys are not washed up, Mike. ZZ Top, they are still alive and kicking, man. And, and we were right up there in the very front row, right at the front of the stage, uh, watching ZZ Top perform. And I, I tell you what, there were so many, you know, tens of thousands of people in that in that lawn area for that concert. It was just an unbelievable day uh, out in the sun all day. So, you know, very, very cool. Those Indy cars are, are something special. Mike, uh, let, let's move on to uh, the subject here. Uh, obviously, serving now as the president of the Fantasy Players Association, uh, we had a uh, we, we we broke some tremendous news uh, this past Saturday. So, you know that Mike, that's one. That's just a few hours right after our show. We had been working very hard on uh, on a release 
that we had uh, we have been investigating the Fantasy Football Open Championship, the FFOC. You know, they're the contest that awards the million-dollar winner. They had two straight years. Just a little background for everybody at home. Their their boards went dead pretty much uh, for a while there. Their their owners of the contest didn't didn't respond at all, and everybody was kind of worried what was going on. Well, uh, the the Fantasy Players Association uh, board decided to investigate this matter pretty thoroughly. And we had, we, had, we had found some information about what was going on with this, uh, with this corporation. And uh, we had learned that Poise to Stomp Incorporated, uh, they, they incorporated uh, officially in the state of South Dakota. So we, we did a simple name search on Poise to Stomp on the Secretary of State website, and it confirmed that the corporation was can- their, 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 their status was cancellation pending, Mike. Uh, and then on Saturday, when we broke the story, the, the status actually switched to inactive. So... We had found out this information. Nobody was saying anything from the FFOC. They had been very kind of dark and mysterious about things. We're letting them know, you know, they let their players know that they had to be expecting an announcement, but they were looking forward to competition this year in 2010. And all of a sudden, we, we see this as inactive. So we broke that story, and we put it out there for all the players to see. We've got a lot of emails on the subject thanking us for the research that we've done, and we're real appreciative of that. But the bottom line is we wanted to get that information in the players' hands so that they could decide what they needed to do um, we did retrieve the copies of the uh, legal paperwork before they were mo- removed. We posted those on the FPA website. And, uh, you know, the bottom line, there were, there were some things that, uh, you know, were concerning. Um, you know, the issues uh, of poise to stomp. The principal office was listed in St. Louis uh, over off of Borman Drive, Suite 200. That's Fanball's office address. So that's a, that was a little uh, – uh, uh, we didn't know what to make of that situation. And yeah. then the articles, uh, the shareholder information, we've, we've looked high and dry for this stuff. Apparently they did not file their annuals, uh, so there are no shareholder information that we can, we can find and we can locate. Uh, we've spoke to the registered agent's office, and they, are no, they, they have no information for us on who was, uh, you know, who were the, the, the main officers of this corporation. Uh, and it sounds like, uh, you know, a couple days later, Mike, right after we broke that story, the FFOC did make a statement on their boards. I don't know if you read that or not. Yeah, I, I sure did, Scott. And anybody that uh, is uh, interested or curious about the situation uh, with the FFOC, uh, you probably ought to visit the uh, FPA site, you know, once it gets going. But, I mean, you ought to visit and uh, check it out because uh, – there's some different things that are going to start paying out here and there, but uh, I think uh, one of your uh, one of your board members, uh, Scotty Horton. I mean, he's nailing this uh, as far as payouts, and uh, I really and give up kudos to uh, Scotty too. Horton on that. Yeah, Ty Parsons too. Ty has uh, has been the one to really step up. He's a uh, great research has been performed by one of uh, the Fantasy Players Association's uh, charter board members. Uh, Ty Parsons. Scotty Horton is also tag team in this effort, but, you know, Ty Parsons has put together some tremendous uh, information on uh, what winnings are owed. Uh, the FFOC released some information that they said that they would be paying out a, a limited amount of owners there. Uh, apparently, they, um, they said they'd be paying out about 136 players who were owed free entries. Our numbers, the research that our guys have, have completed with Ty's help, uh, those numbers are much, much larger than that. There's, there's, there's a lot of winners that, for whatever reason, they are, they aren't stepping up to the plate. It, it appears uh, that's not yet confirmed, but it appears that way. And then the biggest concern, obviously, still existing, is you've got a million-dollar winner, Mike. Uh, the million-dollar yeah. winner we have reached out to. We've attempted to reach this individual several occasions. 
for whatever reason, we're not able to make contact with this individual. Don't, not sure what's going on there. doesn't make a lot of sense. You've got an association that is looking to uh, help this situation and help all winners, and, and emails and, and calls aren't being responded to. So it's a little, little, little something they're not really understanding what's going on. But, again, the biggest concern is for their well-being. I mean, uh, you win a million dollars, Mike. You get announced, $300,000 up front, and then you're supposed to be paid $700,000 in, in some form of like an annuity over the next 10 years, you know, $70,000 yeah, a year over the next 10 years. Yeah, it's supposed to be done in increments. Uh, if if you don't mind me asking, um, that winner of the million dollars is uh, that he or she or is that person? Are they in other leagues as well, or do you know? Not that I, not, not not that we're aware of at this time, Mike. Uh, the name uh, doesn't look familiar to uh, any of the any of the contests we play. Of course, there's a lot of contests out there. It's a big industry. But right. uh, we have not been able to make con- contact. No, I'm not trying to, you know, throw out another conspiracy theory. I'm just kind of curious uh, because it, you haven't heard and the FPA has not heard uh, from this individual. And, you know, if it was me, I, I'd be, uh, you know, I'd be knocking down doors going, hey, now, wait a second here. You know, I, I do want I, I do want to know what's going on. Maybe the FPA can help me out. But, uh you know, it's kind of odd that uh, throughout the message boards of uh, FFPC, NFFC, uh, you know, the other uh, big leagues that uh, it hasn't been brought out, and, you know, that person hasn't said, it's me, and I'm su- kind of surprised. Yeah, yeah, that's all we can, that's all we can do. We do uh, here at the FPA, we plan on a, uh, releasing an official report uh, with as many details as we can provide uh, so that, uh, you know, all of our, uh, members of the FPA have full access to research this in the archives, and so there, there's no guesswork. It's as much factual information as we can possibly find on the subject. We plan on putting that together and with the help of our board members. And, and like I said, Ty Parsons, thanks to him and Scotty Horton for, for heading that effort up. Uh, they've been a tremendous assets uh, to that. So good. You know, hey, I, I like to think that the FPA had some form of impact on that uh, on the FFOC finally breaking their news. Mike, now, you know, again, maybe they had it planned all along to release their news three days after, you know, we found out what we did. But, uh, you know, I like to think that, uh, you know, we, we released our information. It went public with all of the boards. Everybody caught wind of it, and I'm sure, you know, phones started ringing off the hook. And so, you know, they, they wanted to go ahead and expedite their silence. Uh, so they went ahead and, and, and did that. So I like to think that maybe, you know, we had a, a little bit of an impact there. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll always feel that way. Mike, let's, let's move on. Um, you know, we've got a, a lot of contests operating. You know, we've got the World Championship of Fantasy Football uh, starting up with their satellites. We've got the Fantasy Football Players Championship have a satellite or two. You've got the 77 leagues. And you've got the National Fantasy Football Championship doing their online thing, their satellites. And I went ahead and signed up, Mike. Uh, I signed up uh, the, the FPA here for the Football Guys Players Championship. Uh, Football Guys Players Championship, a $50,000 top prize, 12-team uh, leagues. Uh, FFPC rules. Mike, we're signed up for August 6th at 10 p.m. That night, Perry Van Hook will be my uh, co-manager in that league. But we'll all be, we'll, we'll need your help drafting, Mike. August 6th, Friday, August 6th, uh, yeah. 10 p.m. The league starts, so that's one hour before our scheduled start here at Red versus Blue. And then we'll be one hour deep into the draft when we will go live, Mike, and we'll be drafting and hosting the show at the same time. So hopefully Perry will have things on lockdown for us and we won't make uh, too many bad picks. But well, you, heard about you know what? FPC, I, I look forward fresh. to that because, uh, 
you know, that'll kind of give me a chance to uh, kind of break down the draft uh, that has happened between 10 and 11 Eastern time. And uh, you guys can kind of focus on what you need to focus on, and I'll continue to break the draft down and say, you know, this is what I like, this is what I don't like, and uh, and move forward from that. And uh, when the show goes live, uh, just, you know, it ought to be pretty much wrapping up with about, what, a half hour, 45 minutes ago, and uh, – so it it sounds like it sounds like a good deal, Scott. I I I enjoy to uh kind of start the show off if you don't mind. Yeah, we love we love those live commentary drafts, Mike, where we're doing play by play, pick by pick commentary of every draft. Now we have talked to the guys over at Football Guys and we said, Hey, we're gonna be doing some commentary on the show. They do have a few concerns since it is a national contest, Mike, and we do plan on honoring and respecting their wishes. Basically, what they don't want is they don't want us to announce, uh, you know, this team here looks like they need a quarterback, and you know, oh, look, no, 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 job no, is no, still that, out there. That, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. Uh, you know, I can squelch that real quick, real quick, Scott. Uh, you know, when we had uh, a couple live drafts last year, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think that happened, and if it did, then it shouldn't have. No, uh, it's all about who drafted what, and. Uh, you know, how's that going to fit? Uh, you don't talk about, uh, you know, well, so-and-so is available, so-and-so is available. You don't do that. I mean, th- th- this means a lot to a lot of people, so you, you definitely don't do that. Well, yeah, maybe you shouldn't. I have in the past, um, you know, but, uh, you know, if, if, we, if we get consent from all the league owners, I know uh, we did a couple last year, and, and, you know, all the league owners consented to uh, the broadcast, and, and you know there is a little bit of delay on the site, but we will uh, we'll, we'll try our best to honor those wishes. And hey, I want to I want to give some shout outs to everybody in the chat room tonight. Billy Waz is in the chat room. Cool nerds, Ko Crew, the Prognosticator, War Kittens, and Wayne from Evansville. Man, thanks for joining us. We didn't uh, we didn't advertise the show tonight. We had a lot going on, and we figured you know our hardcore listeners will be with us. This is the crew here, at Red versus Blue. And uh, we, we thank you guys for being a part of it. This is why we uh, we work so hard. Mike, I was offered a trade in a dynasty league this weekend, and I want to get your opinion on it. I really don't know what to do. I'm kind of torn. Uh, maybe a little even for me, so I don't, I'm not real sure which way to go, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run it past you. You tell me what you would do. Um, I have uh, I have Tony Romo and Matt Moore. Somebody, somebody's wanting Tony Romo and Matt Moore. And uh, on the other side, they want to give me Phillip Rivers, Bernard Berrien, and a round three 2011 pick, Mike. So let me give you that trade again. I'm giving up Tony Romo and Matt Moore, and he's wanting to give me Philip Rivers, Bernard Berrien, and the round three 2011. 347-324-5404 is the number. Feel free to call us up and help me out with this trade. I'd like to make it, accept it, or decline it tonight. Mike, what do you think of the trade offer? Uh, actually, I would uh, I would uh, accept it. The reason okay, I say one, that one accept. I would uh, yeah I would accept it. Uh, Romo Matt Moore Matt Moore you might get one year out of him and he's done. Uh, Tony Romo you're getting <laughs> I hate to say this but marginal stats out of him. Uh, you know with the uh, with the new acquisition or with the uh, first round draft pick that they got. Uh, that's going to help him out. Uh, yeah. Philip Rivers is solid. He's going to be solid. And uh, Bernard Berrien, uh, he's going to be pretty much a go-to guy because Favre is coming back, let's face it. Uh, Bernard Berrien is going to be somebody that, uh, you know, they're going to be be able to rely on. But, 
the way I see it, you're getting Rivers around three for Romo. Don't you don't think much of Matt Moore then, huh? No. Mhm. Mhm. Well, you know there are some speculations that Matt Moore could hold on to that job this year, and, and it sounds like they are just going to be grooming. Jimmy Clawson for this job eventually, but will Matt Moore have a home somewhere else? You know, if he looks good this year and he gets an opportunity to start, just because you've drafted your quarterback of the future, you know, it's kind of like, it kind of reminds me of a Matt Schaub type opportunity where Matt Schaub gets traded to the Texans and he gets his chance or, you know, um, uh, just, just one of those situations, maybe like a Kevin Cobb just hanging on, waiting and, and, and giving a, you know, a chance and, Maybe Matt Moore does develop into somebody, but you're 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 liking uh, you, you'd rather have Rivers in that round three basically than Tony Romo with the uh, acquisition yes, of Des Bryant. Okay, yep. all right. Well, you know what? I've got a couple of votes in the chat room here. I'll share them with you. Wayne from Evansville, uh, he says to take the offer, take Rivers, and the prognosticator says to take it. Uh, let's see what else we have. Uh, Wayne also says it's Rivers for Romo with a third round flyer for next year. Uh, he also goes on to say Carolina doesn't have enough talent at receiver for the quarterback to have value. That's a good point as well. But then again, uh, you know, Tony Romo has all the talent in the world. And Rivers, you know, they're kind of hurting at wide receiver, especially with Vincent Jackson questions. Antonio Gates kind of dinged up. Do you think Rivers is the type of guy, Mike, that regardless of who his receivers are, he's going to put you up 250 and 2? Yes, based, based on the fact that uh, their running game is still uh, suspect. I mean, you know, they've got they got the rookie there that's going to help out, but their running game is still suspect. They've got to rely on Phillip Rivers, and uh, that, that's the only chance they have. Well, I appreciate the feedback, guys. I am not I have not decided yet. Um, we're going to, we're going to try to make this decision up by the end of the night, but uh, it's one of those things. You know, these trades, you never know which way to go. I'm pretty happy with Tony Romo. I've also got Kevin Cobb on my team. I'm pretty happy about that. Mike, let's go ahead and get this big monkey off our back, this big gorilla here, this Lindale, Fatdale, White story. Uh, <laughs> you know, he was released, and uh, now news, news surfaces now, Mike, that he was also facing a four-game suspension by the NFL for violating the substance abuse policy. We all know that means marijuana. Lindale likes his, uh, his ganja green. You know, this kid, he's difficult, he's difficult to coach. He never bought in. He never really bought into any system or any coaching or any, any sense of teamwork. He always had this sense of entitlement about him. And then you top it off, he's got Drew Rosenhaus for an agent. Mike, it never really put together for Lindale White. No, no, it never did because he was never the – was he ever the lead back in any situation? Well, some, some people say that he was the more productive back at USC but over Reggie Bush, but – I'm talking about the NFL. I mean, he, he's, he's never been the lead back. He's never been the man. He's always been the type of guy that likes to talk a lot of stuff, uh, especially when he says, I hate Ohio State and stuff like that. But, you know, you know, I, I really thought with uh, him and Chris Johnson uh, side by side that, especially last year, I thought, well, you know, this, this, could, be, this could be Linda White's year to, uh, you know, really produce inside the red zone. Well, Chris Johnson squashed that real quick because Chris Johnson is Chris Johnson. He's that good. Uh, Linda White, you know, I see no future in him at all. And, you know, it's kind of disappointing because he's got a ton of ability, but it's not going to happen right now. 
Well, Mike, we are, we are releasing our sleepers and breakouts tonight. Sleepers and breakouts we are going to release tonight. And one of the sleepers that I had on my list, Mike, uh, at the running back position is Justin Forsett. Now, taking a deeper look at this guy, you know, we, we all kind of remember that this guy had some potential last year, right? We saw him in a couple of games, and we saw him rack out some big-time points and win some, some key games for people in playoff weeks, if you remember. Now, this kid is 5'8", 194 pounds from California. He played a cow in the Pac-10. But let's take a real close look here, Mike, at, the, at the, these games that he was productive. The games that, where he was productive last year, weeks 10, 11, and 12, he really got the start. And those were the three games he had to showcase what he could do. And let's take a deeper look here, Mike. Week 10 at Arizona, 17 for 123 and a touchdown against that tough defense. Five catches for 26 yards. That's the key. Five catches for 26 yards. Week 11, Mike, at Minnesota. This is a very tough run defense. We all know how difficult it is to run on that team and that front line. Eight carries, nine yards. Did score a touchdown, but here's the interesting stat, Mike. Eight catches for 80 yards. Week 12, he goes to at St. Louis, and everybody can run on St. Louis, right? Well, he did. 22 carries, 130 yards, and two touchdowns. This kid, if he doesn't do it on the ground, he does it through the air in receptions. This kid averaged five yards a carry, and he's a big threat in the passing game and receptions. Now, you do bring in Leon Washington, Mike, but I think Justin Forsett, he qualifies as an official sleeper candidate this year. All right, well, I'm going to write it down, uh, Justin Forsett. I mean, you know, especially with the uh, with the schedule that they play. And, you know, let's face it, uh, in most uh, most offenses, you need to have a two-headed monster. You have to have that. And uh, there's going to be a lot of teams that, uh, that maybe at the end of the day, they're going to wish they had Justin Forsett. You know, I don't see well, it right now. Uh, I'm going to look, uh, look a little deeper right now as I'm looking. But uh, – you know, Justin Forsett could be the guy. And he's going really late right now, Mike. In these early drafts, remember, if you're drafting early, you're getting to take advantage of the steals and the sleepers that you think aren't clear situations right now by the time the season starts. Forsett was taken in the ninth round, Mike, the ninth, the ninth round of our Genesis draft by 4D, by Mike Kruchek. So he's got himself a nice sleeper there. In the ninth round, matter of fact, when I look at that team now and I see Forsett sitting there as his running back number four, I'm pretty impressed with what Forty did with that draft. Let me let me let me read you the rest of his draft: Flacco and Sanchez at quarterback, Mendenhall, Beanie Wells, Bradshaw, Donald Brown, and Forsett at running backs. Reggie Wayne, Ocho, Braylon Edwards, Chambers, Collie at, at, at wide receiver, Zach Miller at tight end, Mike. He's got a nice looking team. Yeah, I, I I would say so. I mean, that's just that's building uh, that's building something else right there, just to go with those and uh, and and feel good about them. So I mean, that's solid. Yeah, and and again, that's the league where I took Leon Washington in the eighth, and we would be remiss without saying Leon is going to be a force to steal carries, and 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 you know he is going to be uh, mentioned to steal carries here from Justin Forsett. It's going to have to be a timeshare. Leon is valuable. But he's not completely healthy, as my good friend uh, pointed out this evening. So right. he's not. Scott, uh, I got to ask not, you right now. Yeah, we're thirty minutes into the show almost. Okay. If Leon Washington now now don't get me wrong, I think Leon Washington is a very valuable uh, commodity to whatever team he plays for. 
If Leon Washington was 80 years old, would you draft him in the, say, 15th round? (laughs) Would you? I'm asking you, Scott. You're in love with that guy. Well, you know, hey, look, uh, Leon is a, is a, is a, he's a force to be reckoned with. I, I I totally agree. I totally agree. But he's never a force to be reckoned with in week one through five. Well, he 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 has had a history of injuries. I'll give you that. And maybe it's due to his style. Maybe it's because they also use him in the return game. I think, you know, at the end of the day, I think uh, Pete Carroll was really excited. You saw how excited he was when he got uh, Leon Washington in that draft for a steal, uh, basically a fourth-round pick, which the, the Jets used on Joe McKnight, the other the USC running back. But, look, they, they're going to use him in the return game. He's going to be a weapon there. But he'll also be a, a nice change of pace back for the Seattle Seahawks. And, and, and to be honest with you, I have always seen a feature back in Leon Washington. I don't – don't tell me what. Don't tell me why. Don't ask me why. But I've always sure. seen a, a potential feature back in Leon Washington. Well, you know, I mean, but he 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 always does produce. He always does produce. Uh, it just it just seems like that the first four five weeks of the year he's not there, and then he starts getting it on week six, seven, eight, nine. It, it, you know, he's making things happen for your team. Uh, but you know, I'm just I'm the type that I want to look at the first three four weeks and let's get it rolling. And I, that's why I, I guess I'm not a believer in Leon Washington because I can't believe in him the first uh, three four weeks. Mike, let's talk. I'll give you two names. Which one you want to talk about first? Chris Johnson or Anquan Bolden? You pick. Uh, Chris Johnson. I'll take. <laughs> I saw Chris Johnson fall to the number four pick in a high-stakes draft the other day, Mike. High-stakes players are concerned they're taking, they're taking Ray Rice, they're taking Adrian Peterson, they're taking Maurice Jones-Drew, they're even taking Andre Johnson before Chris Johnson. Mike, what's going on in the minds of high-stakes players when they hear about Chris Johnson potentially holding out? Well, you know what? The only thing that comes into my mind is a year ago right now, what was the main conversation? Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson. Hmm. How can you not take Adrian Peterson at this point, this time, last year? How can you not take Adrian Peterson? So I think, I think a lot of high-stakes players are, are, like, doing the same thing. It's like, okay, well, AP had a huge year, and let's face it, flop last year. Chris Johnson had a huge year last year. Uh, oh, boy, I'm scared. I'm scared. I, I think they're just being scared. Chris Johnson is going – I mean, he's not going away, guys. Chris Johnson is the real deal uh, because he is the only deal in Tennessee. And and plus, he's fast. Adrian Peterson, he's strong, but he's not as fast as Chris Johnson. Chris Johnson is probably almost as strong as AP, but Chris Johnson is fast and, uh, you know – <laughs> that's the only thing I can I, I can put my finger on is people are scared of the fact that a year ago there was a profile running back that, that disappointed, and they're scared to do it again. Well, I'm not scared to do it again. You give me that number one pick, I'll take Chris Johnson. Here, here, Mike. Here, here. And, you know, I, I think the, the the thing is with Chris Johnson, you can get an extra 30 or 40. If he, if he does what he did last year, 
you might get an extra 30 or 40 points uh, from that spot, from that pick, rather than getting an Adrian Peterson, an MJD, or a Ray Rice, even an Andre Johnson. Uh, so, but there's no, there, you know, there is some element of head case to Chris Johnson, and not to the, not to the extreme level of, of some of the players that we've seen, like Marshawn Lynch. Uh, you know, I don't know what's going on there, but there is some level of head case here that, uh, you know, I think he deserves the money. You, you, you play really well, and that's how you play this game. So I don't want to get too carried away with it. But, but seeing him drop to four, I think it's important enough to report and tell our listeners, hey, I'm, we're seeing that happen, and so it, it's important to point out. Let's talk Anquan Bolden, Mike, and, and this doesn't, uh, you know, I know you and how you feel about Anquan Bolden and his behavior in the past. He did not attend – he's not attending the voluntary workouts with his new team, Baltimore, and Joe Flacco. I mean, to get some chemistry going, surprise, surprise, Bolden's not there, Mike. I know you're not surprised by this. No, not at all. Uh, Bolden is out for Bolden. Uh, I don't – I really don't think he's a team player, and there's got to be somebody, somebody that, that can get into this guy's head and say, look, man, if you want to – if, if you want to make a real push, if you want to win this ring, you got to do it together. And the, the guy just doesn't get it. And, you know, there's there's a ton of players out there, whether they're on the O-line, the D-line. They, they're they kind of the same way, believe it or not, Scott. Uh, but the guy does not get it. And, you know, he's a fantastic athlete. Of, uh, you know, he's a fantastic talent that can do so many things for so many teams. He's in Baltimore, has a chance. Uh, this would be perfect for him to sit there and say, hey, Joe, you know, talk to Joe Flacco and, you know, get, get things rolling with him. But, you know, the extra things make championships. The extra time, they make championships. That That's what makes championships. So I don't know what, uh, hopefully, but then again, you know, I'm kind of rambling here, but on the other side of things, Bolden, Nine times out of ten, he will step up. At the end of the day, he'll finally come in and go, okay, I'm here. So who knows what's going to happen with him, but nobody wants to be a day late and a dollar short, that's for sure. Well, Mike, uh, you know, I also we've got a lot of uh, FFPC guys here in the chat room. I want to go ahead and bring up this uh, tight end discussion that I've, that I've heard. You know, Owen Daniels uh, obviously has the knee uh, issue, and, he, and he's not going to be in the, the June training camps, it doesn't sound like, but – the tight ends, Mike, I don't think I've ever seen a year, and they're talking about the tight ends in the chat room here, the tight ends are deep this year. This is the deepest class of tight ends I think we've ever seen as high-stakes players, 347-324-5404 if you want to call and chat with us about it. But, Mike, let me read you off this list here, just just these names. Uh, you know, I've got, you know, here, and this is just my list right now, Vernon Davis, Jermichael Finley, Dallas Clark, Jason Witten, Antonio Gates. Brent Selleck, Tony Gonzalez. Uh, there, there's uh, one, two, three, four, five. There's seven names that, to be honest with you, even and I'm going to put Gonzalez in there with a healthy Matt Ryan. Any of those guys could be the number one tight end this year. Uh, so, you've even got uh, John, the next tier of guys. So, I mean, you keep on going down the line. Uh, what about uh, John Carlson? Seattle. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've, I've, got a, I've got a little group in front of him, but I've got like Chris Cooley, a healthy Chris Cooley, uh, Kellen Winslow. Zach Miller, the new, you know, the tight end that we've been waiting for in Oakland, now finally has a quarterback. Heath Miller, 80 catches last year. You know, John Carlson, Dustin Keller, Greg Olson, Shanko Shockey. I mean, there's so many tight ends. It's unbelievable, Mike. Is this the year 
that you wait for your tight end, or is this the year you really go after your Finley or Vernon Davis? Well, you know, I think last year we kind of had the same type of conversation. I, I remember when uh, we were talking in Chicago with, uh, you know, I was talking with some other owners and things. It's like, wow, man, maybe we should, we should get on these tight ends early. Uh, you know, it's kind of becoming uh, the tight end has become the forefront because, I mean, I'm going through this list too, Scott, and it's hard to believe that a tight end would not go in the first two rounds. And it used to be, oh, you can wait on tight end. Shoot, you can wait on tight end until round five, six, seven. But not anymore. I mean, these guys, they're the real deal. Yeah, well, again, it's one of those things, and I'm going to go ahead and break out one of my breakout candidates. You know, everybody's on the Jermichael Finley bandwagon, and I completely understand that. This kid is, is an absolute monster uh, at tight end, and I don't think you could call him a breakout just because I think he already broke out for us, you know. I mean, I think what you saw late in that season was the indicator that says, holy cow, this might be a guy who could be number one. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a name out to you, Mike, of a, of a tight end that I think could be number one this year that nobody's really saying, you know, he's a number one type tight end. He's a good tight end, but not a number one. I'm going to uh, throw it out there, Mike. His name is Brent I got one Selleck. written down. Don't be the same. I hope not. I've got Brent Selleck. Uh, 76 catches, 971 yards, and eight touchdowns, Mike, uh, for a tight end. I love this kid back in, in uh, Cincinnati. You know, we used to watch all the Big East football and I saw this guy dominate, you know, the Louisville defense, uh, the, the linebackers. It couldn't match up with him, and this kid just made plays, and he was the best player that Cincinnati Bearcats had on the field. I'll just tell you. You know, this was back when uh, – this was, was this before Tony Pike? I don't even remember if Pike was the quarterback. then. I think they had somebody else. But this kid's 6'4", 255. We saw what he could do last year, and it leads into my breakout candidate quarterback, Kevin Cobb, Mike. I've got Kevin Cobb and Brent Selleck as two of my breakout candidates this year, one at each position. And I, and I really feel like these guys are, are going to get some uh, chemistry going. Kevin Cobb looked like a superstar in those two weeks that he got those starts earlier in the year. He threw for over 300 yards and two touchdowns in both games. So you've got the quarterback and the tight end ready to step up into a role. You've, you've got the departure of Brian Westbrook. Mike, I like Brent Selleck as my breakout candidate at tight end. Okay. Uh, I like but no, I'm no, I, I'm not going to agree. Uh, I can't, I can't. Uh, you're relying, I think, on Kevin Cobb to go underneath, underneath, underneath uh, to Brent Selleck. Uh, I don't see that. Kevin Cobb, I mean, he has a gun of an arm. Uh, I don't. The only reason that I think that you really like uh, Brent Selleck is because you're afraid that Kevin Cobb is not going to go downfield as much as, say, a Donovan McNabb or what have you. Uh, I don't think Brent Selleck is going to uh, – he's not going to improve all of his numbers. I don't think he's going to go backwards off of his numbers either. Um, Kevin Cobb, is, he, this guy is going to go downfield. This guy is going to go downfield, uh, you know, with the receivers that he has. Uh, Jackson so, and Macklin, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's going to go downfield. Uh, Brent Selleck, he's going to be – Obviously, a viable option. If you have him, uh, if you end up drafting tight end, uh, that's great. But how high would you go and, uh, you know, what's going to get? Uh, the one thing, the one tight end, and it's kind, of a, uh, it's kind of a reach, but I really feel extremely high about is uh, 
Brandon, Brandon Prediger, who's from uh, Detroit. Uh, I'm just, I'm on this guy. Well, uh, so so you like Brandon Pettigrew, the uh, the second year guy that uh, will Matt Stafford will have uh, every chance uh, to prove himself this year. I like what Stafford did in that Thanksgiving game. Uh, Pettigrew is that big Oklahoma State tight end that uh, it was kind of the Des Bryant Pettigrew show there for that year, and uh, we we got to see a little bit from Pettigrew last year. A couple of big games we saw. He had a seven for seventy game and a touchdown. And then he had a 6-for-72 game and a touchdown. So that shows glimpses, Mike. I, I kind of like the play here. But they also brought in a heck of a receiving tight end, Mike. Um, you know, Detroit did this year. Um, oh, what the heck is his name from, uh, from Denver? I can't, uh, can't, can't think of his name right now. But they, they, they plan on using both of those guys um, for, for tight end options this year. Yeah, and – but – you know, I just feel like that they're going to go with the young guy and uh, Tony Scheffler. Tony Scheffler. Yeah, Tony. Yeah, they brought in Tony Scheffler, and he's ranked Thank a little bit agree. higher. He, he's ranked a little bit higher than Pettigrew on uh, some uh, charts that I've seen. But uh, at the end, you know, for this year, I think uh, Brandon Pettigrew is going to be the guy that uh, he's going to make a difference for uh, Matt Stafford, and they're going to make that connection. Uh, he's he's a big bruiser. But, uh, you know, I, I just think he'll be uh, – I, I think he'll be make a lot bigger impact than Selleck will in his situation. It just depends on situations. Well, let's move on to uh, other potential breakout candidates here, Mike. At the running back position, you want to go first? Go ahead. Give me your 2010 breakout candidate at running back. Well, I don't know if it'll be a breakout, uh, but uh, definitely Sean Green uh, – He's going to be one that uh, I see uh, I see happening as far as uh, getting a lot of getting more carries, getting more things done uh, with his team. Uh, Sean Green is going to be that guy. You know, I think too many times people uh, they're they're hesitant to take a running back, and as far as a team that might have might have a two headed monster, so to speak. But uh, Sean Green. This guy's ready. This guy's NFL ready. Uh, he proved it last year, and he's going to be something that uh, a lot of teams, uh, they're going to wish they would have had. And I think uh, I think Coach Ryan is going to make sure that that happens. Uh, so, Sean Green, he's, when I say breakout, I'm talking, uh, I'm talking AP numbers. I'm talking, uh, you know, numbers of, uh, you know, are some of the best running backs that we've seen in a long time. I mean, we're talking big numbers from this kid because well, uh, Sanchez, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know how many touchdowns he's going to throw. Well, Mike, it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic candidate you've chosen for your breakout candidate of 2010. Um, <clears throat> Sean Green had those two huge games for the New York Jets fans in the playoffs where he went 21 carries for 135 yards and a touchdown at Cincinnati, followed that up with 23 carries for 128 yards and a touchdown at San Diego. Doesn't look like he catches the ball much, Mike. All of last year in 109 carries, how many receptions did he have? Zero, Mike. Zero. Okay, so I'm not so sure that you're gonna, they're going to use this guy out of the backfield 
That's why they brought in LaDainian Tomlinson. Now, I think, you know, LaDainian Tomlinson, and just to, just to do a counterpoint here for you, because I love Sean Green. I think he could do very big things. He could put up maybe 250 carries, even 10 touchdowns kind of season. But without the receptions, he's a Michael Turner, really, without a, an LT in the background. So, and, and he got a better offensive line, granted. But I see LaDainian Tomlinson was shopped around. He looked, he, he, he looked for the best opportunity, and I'm not so sure, Mike, I'm not so convinced that Rex Ryan didn't look LT in the eye and say, you're our guy, we're going to give you the ball, come here, be a part of this team, and we're going to give you every opportunity to be the man here. And I'm not so convinced that they're just going to hand the ball over this year, 250 carries tops, you know, type uh, season to Sean Green when you've still got LaDainian Tomlinson in the fold uh, that thinks he can still do it. Now, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's how the conversation went. I can only assume – that Rex Ryan looking at the situation, wanting to steal him away from Minnesota because that's where it sounded like he was going. I almost want to say to myself, they told LT that he could be the man there. Now, I don't think he can be the man, but I think they told him that. And I think that means that LT gets maybe, you know, 150 carries this year, maybe at least. So if, if, if that's the case, I don't know how many other carries are here uh, for Sean Green, you know, 200 or so. Well, but, but, see, now I'll it. look at that. No, no receptions. Well, I'll look at that conversation being the uh, the exact opposite. Uh, I'll look at that conversation being, uh, LT, look, we need some help. Uh, we're going to pay you. We're going to pay you a lot of money. Now, here's what we need you to do. We need you to help uh, Sean Green out, uh, tool him. Uh, you, you know how it goes. And, uh, you know, uh, maybe teach him how to come out of the backfield and catch the ball, uh, things like that. Um, but at the end of the day, you're not going to get that much playing time. You're going to get a lot of, uh, you know, get some second uh, second quarter carries um, out of the backfield, third and third and two maybe yeah. out of the backfield. Uh, the Jets, the Jets the don't do day, a lot of dumping. Do what? The Jets don't do a lot of dumping off to their running backs. They ground and pound it or they throw it vertically through the air to their weapons. That's kind of the style that they bring. Thomas Jones had 330 carries last year. How many catches did he have? Ten. You know, but he had those 14 touchdowns. So you're, 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 you're picking a you running back for the touchdown. Well, then you answer my question. Uh, uh, LT, he was north and south, uh, I would say, three, four years ago. He is not north and south anymore. He cannot get it done north and south. Uh, even against, uh, even behind that uh, great line that the uh, New York Jets have. So, you answer my question. Uh, LT is pretty much going to be a filler for uh, Sean Green then. Well, it's a, there's a lot of carries to go around. 435 carries for uh, the Jets just from Thomas Jones and Sean Green last year. And, again, I think it's real important to know that the carries that Sean Green got last year, 100 carries in the regular season, zero catches, about 50 carries in the postseason, Mike, one catch. So we're not real sure if he can't catch the ball. If he can't catch the ball, I'm not drafting him because in these leagues you need those points per reception. So uh, that, yeah, that's totally your breakout that. candidate. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and stick, uh, again, breakout candidate, meaning somebody that I think can be a top five running back. Somebody that can be a top five running back I think is Rashard Mendenhall, Mike. 240 carries last year. It's only going to be more. He missed three games last year. So I see this guy getting maybe 300, 320 carries, kind of like the Thomas Jones, but he'll get more work in the backfield. He had 25 catches last year. I think they're going to get him more involved, maybe 30 to 35 catches next year. 
and I see him I see him definitely uh, approaching double digit touchdowns. You know, ten, twelve touchdowns here for Rashard Mendenhall. And look, Roethlisberger's out the first couple of weeks of the season. Somebody's got to move that ball, and that's Rashard Mendenhall. Nothing to say. I'll take that. I'll take that as a, a win for me. So, Mike, uh, I've got my breakout running back. We've, I've got my breakout tight end and quarterback. You want to you wanna go ahead and release your tight end and quarterback? Okay. You already, well, released, your, uh, you already released your tight end. You already said Pettigrew. Quarterback, I said Kevin Cobb. Yep. Uh, I, you know, I, I, my quarterback, it's going to be kind of funny, but uh, right now I'm looking. Go Matt Stafford. I'm two, and it's been, uh, it's been fun to watch them both. But uh, Matt Go Matt Liner. Stafford. Matt Liner. Or Matt what? Liner. Yes. Uh-huh. I'm going to have a. I'm going uh, to give you. I'm going to give you 30 seconds on Matt Liner, Mike. <laughs> well, uh, the reason I. The... That's what I'm talking about. Okay, now, Mike's back. Who was that? That guy that said my, Matt Liner, by the way. <laughs> that, 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 that was my twin brother. That's not that's the guy you're hitting your wagon to. That was, your, that was your twin brother. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he's gone. Hey, get, get upstairs. We're, we're, we're doing a show down here, will you? Uh, <laughs> now, uh, breakout quarterback, Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer is going to have uh, enough of a running game. He's going to have... Uh, a lot, a lot of uh, different uh, opportunities to be uh, afforded to him. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be a year for uh, Carson Palmer to uh, to know that uh, the Cincinnati Bengals they were that close last year. Uh, and how many years does he have left? You know, who knows? I mean, the guy's thirty years old, and you know he's probably got four or five years left. But uh, you know, this team has a has a running back that they put a, a lot of confidence in with Vincent. Uh, and, you know, they're trying to bring in different pieces, and uh, this is going to be Carson Palmer's year to break out. Well, uh, you know, he's got all the opportunities uh, this year with that uh, monster tight end and Jermaine Gresham from Miami, and then you add in an Antonio Bryant. They've definitely got some pieces to the puzzle there with a ground game to boot. So we'll we'll see what Carson Palmer's capable of. Uh, moving on, Mike, I want to move on to um, my breakout wide receiver of 2010. Uh, my breakout wide receiver is closely tied to a quarterback who I thought made fantastic progress, Mike, um, in his sixth season. This quarterback has done some uh, well, some amazing things, including uh, a Super Bowl win against the New England Patriots. Mike, Eli Manning looked fantastic last year, had a career year, 4,000 yards, 27 touchdowns, only 14 interceptions. This kid, Mike, is getting better and better and better. And you saw that they relied on him rather than the ground game, and it came from the blue. Nobody saw it coming. But this is officially Eli Manning's team. There's no doubt about it. And what they're going to do is they're going to throw the ball to their weapons, Steve Smith, Hakeem Nix. Hakeem Nix is my 2010 breakout candidate, Mike, at wide receiver. 47 catches, 790 yards, and six touchdowns as a rookie. And most people don't even remember seeing him play except maybe they, they remember him in that one-night game against Philadelphia where he, where he caught those long ones. But 
Mike, do you remember seeing Nick's play that much? 47 catches, 790 and 6. He's getting ready no. for a big year, too. No, uh, you know, I mean, I think uh, that, could, that could be his year. Uh, you know, it depends on their schedule. You know, you got to look at the schedule and uh, who they're playing and when they're playing them. And uh, but uh, you know that, that that sounds like a pretty good, uh, pretty pretty good breakout candidate. Well, he's got a couple of wide receivers in front of him that he has to prove, but I think he's better than Manningham. And Steve Smith will still be a, a guy that Manning throws a lot of those yards to. Again, it's four thousand yards. He could go for forty-two. He could go for forty-five hundred. I don't know how many yards Eli's gonna gonna throw. He just keeps getting better and better. So the sky's the limit here, but. 790 yards last year, six touchdowns, 40. It's going to get better for Knicks, right? It has to. So who's your breakout candidate at wide receiver, Mike? 2010. Oh, okay. Uh, Scott, as summertime uh, starts to creep on us, you got any crabgrass in your yard? <laughs> Lots of it. <laughs> yeah, well. Got any crab trees? Well, I, I guess you're referring to the, uh, the late, the late bloomer, Michael Crabtree in San Francisco. So that's your 2010 absolutely, breakout candidate. This guy is going to be a huge success. Singletary has this team going exactly where he wants them. Michael Crabtree is, I mean, he is just, he's making the steps that needs to be made. He had to learn early uh, with the holdout and things like that. He had to learn, you know, it's just, part of the business. Well, he's learned the business aspect of it. Now it's time to play ball. Michael Crabtree is my breakout candidate at wide receiver for San Francisco. This kid has everything, and he is going to explode this year. Hey, Mike, I like that pick, man. I tell you what, this rookie crop of wide receivers from last year, including Jeremy Macklin and Percy Harvin, Michael Crabtree and uh, (laughs) uh, Hakeem Nix, this class it might just turn out to be one of the better classes of wide receivers we've seen. Like Crabtree with 48 catches over 600 yards, only scored twice in that time last year. That's the problem with San Francisco. Alex Smith doesn't really know how to hike the ball in the red zone and laser it in there. Uh, I think when he scored, it was those seam passes to Vernon Davis that we've all found to be so, uh, you know, Vernon Davis-esque here. But Michael Crabtree missed five games and as a rookie brought in 48 catches. That's pretty darn yeah. impressive numbers for a rookie. Yeah, once he got, once he got rolling, I mean, they knew that, that that's our guy as far as wide receiver. And uh, that's part of the learning curve uh, that they've gone through. And I think uh, Mike Singletary and the team – you know, as a unit, you know, they're still going through constant learning curves. But, uh, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that uh, this guy can be a uh, – he's going to be a major impact. In- Mike, real quick, yeah. dynasty trade, Crabtree or Colston, pick. Uh, dynasty, Crabtree. Dynasty. Wow. There, that's, that's what I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear you – Really believe in your guy because that's a heck of a player there, and I, and, I, and I'm pretty interested to see what this Michael Crabtree kid can do. Again, it hinges on Alex Smith. The only reason I wouldn't, you know, I didn't have the guts to take a Crabtree as my breakout candidate is I have so much more faith in Eli Manning. This kid, I mean, 4,000 yards again. I tied it directly to him. He's going to be good for, you know, uh, he had 24 touchdowns last year. He's getting better and better, and so I tied it to a quarterback that I knew would would take care of things for me. But I can absolutely see where you're coming from. This Crabtree kid is just as talented as, as a lot of the greats that we've seen come through this uh, 
come through here, but we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see what he's, uh, what him and Alex Smith have worked on. Uh, you know, I, I could, I could kind of see maybe getting my quarterback and, and tight end early, Mike, and then getting a couple of sleepers at running back and a, and a couple of sleepers at wide receiver here. And maybe, maybe that well, can carry you. I mean, I, the, where we're seeing these guys get drafted, now let's take a look real quick. I'm seeing Crabtree uh, get landed in the fourth round in the Genesis draft. And then my guy, Hakeem Nix, Hakeem Nix was taken in the sixth round. So if you could put together a team like Crabtree and Nix, and, and by the way, War Kittens is in the, chat, in the chat room tonight, and he took both of those guys. So he's kind of sitting back smiling because he knew all along. He took Andre Johnson as his one, Crabtree as his two, Nix as his three in the Genesis draft. He backed it up with Michael Turner and D'Angelo Williams as his running backs and grab the Tom Brady. So basically that's what I was talking about. That's the kind of draft I was talking about. I want to, I want to, uh, you talk about Michael Turner and, uh, War Kitten's got Michael Turner. Uh, this guy apparently is, apparently took last year off, let's face it. Uh, but this year he is, uh, he's ready and, uh, he's done a lot of, done a lot of all season, uh, uh, stuff that he needs to do to make himself better. But uh, Michael Turner, this guy could be a comeback player in a big way. Everybody, thanks for joining us today. We've uh, we've had a good time with you guys tonight here at Red versus Blue. Mike and I uh, enjoy doing this show for you guys every Friday night. Uh, you know whether we feel, whether we feel up to it or not. I'm completely drained after the after the race day today, Carb Day at Indianapolis 500, the Motor Speedway. But we wanted to come to you and bring you what we had and what we had for you. Uh, hopefully, it wasn't good enough, but we'll keep trying to get better, <laughs> as uh, some of our good friends have put that in the past. And, and let, me, let me just say this. Greg Ambrosius is our guest next Friday night, so you don't, you don't want to miss that. Set your, uh, set your, uh, your clocks to make sure and uh, come and join us, ask questions, email them to me, uh, info at fantasyplayersassociation.com. Uh, email me and ask us any question you'd like for Greg Ambrosius. We want you to get to know the name, Greg Ambrosius, the player, the person, the human, the parent. Greg Ambrosius will be with us next Friday night, so hopefully you'll join us for that. And, and Mike, uh, we're, we're, we're pretty excited to have you back, buddy, and uh, we'll, we'll look forward to seeing everybody next Friday night. How's that? Yeah, that, that, that sounds great, Scott. Uh, looking forward to it and uh, any questions, what have you. But, uh, you know, it's just fun to be uh, – Fun to be a part of this show and fun to be a part of the uh, fantasy uh, football high stakes uh, or not high stakes. It doesn't matter. Uh, we're all uh, we're all in this together. And uh, let's that's right. Free leagues, big leagues. Yep. Doesn't matter keep what the league. Let's 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 send it off with a heck of Memorial Day weekend.
Listening to Red versus Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time.